Hello and welcome to Harding Academy's In The Loop podcast. As always, I am your host, Dr. Scott Frizzell, with my good friend, Mr. Trent Williamson. How are you doing this week, Trent? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you? I am bracing myself for the cold that I'm assuming is going to come by the time this episode drops. Uh, uh, I think it's all a bunch of hooey. You know how they you would the, say the winter apocalypse <laughs> is coming. We probably won't have anything. I'm just letting everyone know that I was prepared. I already went to the grocery store and bought my milk and bread. So when you go and you can't find it... It was me. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know why everybody needs milk and bread for when it's cold. Yeah, well, I don't we've got snack food for days at our house. <laughs> We're prepared to be snowed in with all three inches, and we will go nowhere. But assuming that we have all survived the impending cold apocalypse, uh, we're excited to talk about teaching for transformation today. Um, obviously, it's a core element of what we're doing here in our philosophy of instruction. Here. But before we get there, Trent, can you share our good news of the week with us? I'm happy to because I think it ties perfectly with our topic for this week. So our bowling team competed against MUS, the Memphis University School, mm. last week. Uh, following the match, I got the following email. Bear with me. I'm ready. I just wanted to let you know, this is our two, two Coach Cleves, our bowling coach. I just wanted to let you know how proud I was to be in the same bowling alley as your team today. In the middle of a very competitive match, our team had quite a Baker game going, nearly a perfect 300. For those of you bowlers out there, you'll know what that means. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> During that run of strikes, your bowlers were actively cheering for our guys, and they bowled strike after strike. It was really heartwarming to see. And in my 30-year career of coaching high school sports, I've never seen anything quite like it from an opponent. The Lions' encouragement was authentic, spontaneous, and heartfelt. I know that your school's mission is Christian in nature, and I wanted to praise your bowlers for some of the most Christ-like behavior I have ever witnessed. The records of matches will fade, but the relationships you're building will last forever. What amazing example of class, character, and sportsmanship your team showed all of us today. It left a lasting impression on the MUS boys, I can assure you of that. It is my personal opinion that Jesus calls us to not only worship him, but to follow him. Your team was a living example of a follower of the way today. Thank you, Coach Suds, the MUS bowling team. That's the good news of the week. That's I mean, you can't get better than that. Yeah, that's fantastic news. So congratulations, Coach Cleves, for leading in such a way and for all of our bowlers for representing our school so well. I'm Absolutely. very, very proud. I was very proud to get that email. Oh, that's some excellent news. Woo! And from that, we're going to step aside for our student spotlight of the week. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Student Spotlight of the Week. Today, we are interviewing senior Chewy Elo. Chewy, how are you doing today? Can you tell us how long you've been at Harding and who your favorite teacher is? I'm doing well today. I've been at Harding for 15 years, and my favorite teacher is probably Miss Adkins. Miss Adkins. What grade was that, and why is Miss Adkins your favorite? That was fourth grade, and she was my favorite just because she made – every activity fun and I felt like we were learning like our learning was fun instead of like we were actually learning nice nice and then uh do you have a favorite Harding memory to share with us I'd say probably our eighth grade field trip to Washington DC just because I like history and there's a lot of history on that trip and the rooms were really fun we did some funny stuff and uh I don't know. The memories we made will probably last forever. Awesome. And final question. Uh, obviously, the end is in sight here. So when you leave us here at Harding, what are you planning to do? And how has Harding helped prepare you for that? I'd say Harding has prepared me 
for my dream of becoming a cardiologist just by showing me how to work hard and showing me that no matter what I put my mind to, I can do it. Awesome. Thanks for the time, Chewy. Have a great day. And we're back from our student spotlight of the week, and we're here to talk about our main topic, teaching for transformation. Now, every now and then, Trent, I hear a lot of people confused about teaching for transformation. Every now and then. <laughs> we, we, we just got the survey results. We've talked about the survey results. We'll be talking about those again on the 29th at our uh, town hall meeting. Hope you'll be able to come out for that. But uh, teaching for transformation does cause a lot of confusion. And um, uh, the, the best way I describe it to people when they ask me is schools are always about the, um, you know, the collection of information, right? We teach subjects. We want kids to learn subjects. We want them to learn. And that's, that is so true. We want them to be informed. But here at Harding Academy, uh, we want them to be transformed by what they learn. So we want their learning to transform them. So Teaching for Transformation was a great framework that we adopted. How many years ago has it been? Is it five? I was five or six, six. Five yeah. or six years yeah. ago. Uh, and it really informs all that we do and say and teach. It's a common vernacular. Everybody uses common language. And I'm excited today that we have somebody here who has put it to practice. And I might say this. She, like a lot of really good teachers, put these principles to practice and have been for years, okay? Uh, we were able to just kind of identify some of the practices that she was using and others are using, meld them with teaching for transformation, and uh, have, again, a framework that we want other teachers to look to and say, ah, I'd like to teach that way uh, because it's a great way. None other than Charlie Gonder, one of our best English teachers, uh, instructional coach. Uh, she is here with us today to talk a little bit about that. So, Scott, you have some questions. I, I do, and I think to kind of tag on to what you said there, Trent, exactly, this is, this is stuff that good teachers do. Uh, well, maybe stuff that great teachers do, right? Yeah. Um, but I think one key thing about teaching for transformation, which is what makes it difficult and I think is why we get a lot of questions, is like you said, the common vernacular. It's got its own set of terminology. Um, and so then you're like, wait, what is that? I don't know what that thing is. But you may actually know what that thing is. It might be something that we've kind of already done already. But the real benefit there uh, is it allows students to see those connections across subject areas. I always tell everybody I don't speak math. Um, it's just not how my brain functions. I do a lot of things well, and math is just not one of them. Um, so sometimes when, I'm, when I was listening to a math teacher in school, I would have trouble following just because it was all math language. This allows people, no matter what your skill, what your talent is, you're gonna understand the deep, deeper life Christian connection in every subject area, because they're using the same language in the classes that you do understand really well, that you really fit with your brain, I think. Right, one of the common taglines of Teaching for Transformation is see the story, live the story. The example we just shared with you from our bowling team is a good example. We, do we want to have good bowlers? Absolutely. We want them to learn how to bowl. We also want them to learn how to compete. We want them to learn how to win. We want them to learn how to be good losers. And we want them to learn to appreciate the goodness in other people uh, and cheer on uh, their victories. So that was a living testimony, right, of seeing the story, living the story, actually living out the principles that we're trying to teach here in ways that obviously had an impact on a guy who has been coaching for over 30 years. That says something. That does. And so I think we're excited to get to hear from Charlie. And so, Charlie, we're going to start just by asking about 
what Teaching for Transformation maybe has done in your classroom? What are the impacts you see? What does it even maybe even look like a little bit? Just kind of take us into your room. Don't feel like you have to talk about this from instructional coach Charlie perspective where you're talking about what all the teachers are doing. Just tell us about your room, what it looks like, what it does, and maybe why you value it, kind of any, anything along those lines. Okay, great. Um, I think when we first started implementing TFT, one of the things that it did for me inherently was just made me think about the why behind everything. So you're thinking about like, I teach story, right? So it's just an eight that we're talking about why do these stories matter? And it really reframed how I taught about those characters, the choices that they made in conjunction with all the writing skill we're doing at upper level science classes like AP language and 11th and 12th grade English class. Um, it also provided a language of commonality with other disciplines. So like you guys were saying, my students come in, they've already been talking about being a justice seeker in history and Bible, and now we're getting to see it played out in a different kind of story in a different way in English class. Uh, my deep hope is that by learning the stories of others, our hearts will be revised into places of boldness, empathy, and truth, and that we learn to rewrite our stories to reflect the redemption of Christ. And so my words that I focus on are revise, rewrite, redeem. Um, and right now, for example, how that's playing out is we're studying about argument, the skill of argument, which they need for the AP language test. But also the way that we teach argument is that uh, an effective argument is that you are still claiming something that you know based on experience, research, data, whatever, but you're also nodding to the fact that there's other people out there who believe the opposite thing and there's validity to some of those points as well. And we're not going to be isolating or um, caustic to that side or to the many nuances in the middle, right? Because it's not usually one or the other. And so they're learning the ability to come into narrative or into speaking with other people and learning how to craft argument in a way that is not isolating, that everyone can come into a conversation and be heard and listened to, and that that revises the way that we, or rewrite the way we think about things and people. And in conjunction with that, we're reading two stories. We're about to start these two stories. One, they get to pick, one's about a, uh, a Japanese-Canadian young girl during World War II, who obviously through lived experience has some really hard things happening. And then the other is about um, the picture of Dorian Gray. So Dorian Gray is just like a character who continues to make the wrong choice. And we watch him devolve and have idols and um, his identity shifts throughout the story. And in both stories, very different context, but we're watching characters who we're learning um, things about that still apply to our world. Like they both are struggling with identity. They're both struggling with external factors and internal factors and then how are we able to come into conversations about those things and think about how does that look in our story? How do those, we struggle with some of the same decisions, some of the same factors, so what does that look like for us? And argue about it potentially, because we might disagree in a way that's still inviting to everyone in the conversation. So that sounds, I didn't want to get too specific in Englishy. <laughs> but like in my class, I of course want everyone to love reading. They don't. I, of course, want everyone to know about punctuation. They don't. And that's okay. I do want them to, more than that, realize that, like, when we engage in community with other people through reading, writing, speaking, that we are living out part of God's story. And then we're also inviting others into that because of the way we reflect Him to them. And so that's kind of the bigger framework for my classroom. Um, and it really drives everything that I choose, from reading to 
like short stories, poetry, novels, um, while we're still focused on those skills, they need to be ready for the AP test. It doesn't take that away. It just adds benefit to what we're already doing. And what it sounds like to me, Charlie, is it's not an either or. Like it's either going to be academic or it's going to be faith-based or Christian or tying it to God. Mm -hmm. It's both. And the thing that is so, so encouraging to hear from that and from all these uh, other examples in our classrooms, in our world today, it seems like there's, a, um, there's been a loss of decorum. There's been a loss of nuance. Uh, there has been a loss of health, healthy dialogue where people can actually disagree and still love one another mm -hmm. <laughs> and still actually support one another even though they don't fully embrace the opinion or the position of another person. Giving our kids the skills to have those kinds of conversations in ways that don't put, push people away but actually draw them closer to uh, them and to their God is, I mean, it just gives me chills. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And you can do that through, as you, as you so beautifully articulated, through um, secular writings, right? So all of the, none of these um, probably works that you're talking about, the two that you alluded to, aren't written by Christian authors, don't have a, a um, overtly Christian message, and yet, wow, it is totally tied to so many things that God calls us to, and that is bringing those kids into those conversations so that they're actually interested in that. So thank you for that. That's awesome. All right. And then, Charlie, if you could talk just a little bit. I'm curious, like, I loved everything that you said and that Trent just kind of echoed and, and repackaged a little bit. But, like, what do you think the experience is for your kids, for your students? Like, you know, they're coming in, especially if you've got a new student or a newer to Harding student who maybe hasn't been familiar with this teaching for transformation. They have an idea what an English class looks like, and I would imagine that your class looks a lot different than what that expectation is. So in what ways do you think the experience for these kids is similar or different from maybe what they might experience in a more traditional English class setting? Yeah, I think one thing TFT did was, um, again, provide us with language and practices around like building classroom rhythms that were healthy. Um, and I've implemented a lot of these in my home too. And it's gotten me really interested in like habits that we just do like spiritual discipline rules or rhythms of life, things that just add depth to your day, your, your mundane tasks of the day, but then you can seek out God in that thing, like washing the dishes or, um, brushing your teeth or whatever. Um, and so one thing that, one way I've seen it, if I'm a new student walking into my room that they might think is odd at first is, um, and this is every classroom is doing this, opening or closing circles where we're just having time to actually be an intentional community with our students. They're seeing an authentic version of who I am because we're providing space for us to also see who they are. And in that, you're seeing the image of God every single day in opening or closing circle. Um, so for instance, today I had my class this morning and we did a closing circle because we did ACT prep for opening circle, um, which they loved. Um, but closing circle was a, um, a blessing of their bodies. So I do this with my children before bed where we start with our feet. May God bless our feet so that we take the gospel with us. May God bless our backs so that we can carry the burdens of others. May God bless our hands to do good work. May he bless our ears to discern truth, our eyes to see beauty, our mouth to speak encouragement, our mind to be wise, our heart to know him deeply. And I like made them move through that prayer. And then uh, last Tuesday, or this past Tuesday, they just went around and told me a way they're taking care of themselves 
So we call I call it Mental Wellness Monday, but we did it on Tuesday. <laughs> but they just told me one rhythm that they're doing to revise how they felt when they felt stressed last semester. Mm-hmm. So it goes with my deep hope. It's making them be accountable in ways that are taking care of them, but it's also helping them be better AP students. Like they have to sleep, they have to rest, they have to go on a walk, they have to engage with people. Um, And I think it just provides, again, opportunity for me to say like, hey, I'm in a really hard season right now too. Can can we, we can see humanity in each other. Um, And I actually polled my students on this at the beginning of the year because I was curious what they liked about TFT. And they said, that they feel like they're getting to know their teachers and coaches and um, other adults in the building in a deeper way than they had ever done before. Not because we weren't being authentic, but right. because we just didn't have a rhythm like that. Right. And they love it. If you mm-hmm. don't do it, they're like, hey, can we do a quick opening circle or closing circle? And I think that just speaks to the beauty of our students. They desire a relationship with us, but also to the beauty that God's weaving into their story. Like we get to huge responsibility great calling to be able to have intentional moments and also it's still content related it's still working with building them into the people that we want them to be when they walk out of our doors as products for the gospel but also us um so that's one like very easy way that i see it that might feel really odd would have felt really odd to me (laughs) when i came into harding as a ninth grader if that was happening in the classroom yeah and so intentional i mean it's it's not um uh, fly by night, right? And and the thing, the reason why I feel like we're so committed to TFT for the long term is because of the impacts it's having on teachers and on students and in classrooms because of those rhythms and the intentionality that you're taking. So uh, kudos. Yeah. All right. Last question, Charlie, and this is that easy catch-all question at the end, right? Hopefully, we've got a lot of great parents listening to this podcast What's one thing they should know or you wish they knew or understood about Teaching for Transformation that they can take away with them? Maybe it's just for their own internal knowledge, or maybe it's something that, man, next time you hear a parent, you can say, but do you know what they do at my kid's school or why they do this at my kid's? Anything like that that you just feel like, man, I didn't get to talk about this, but I I feel like parents would like or would need to know this. I actually told my hairdresser this over the Christmas Um because she was asking me about working I don't have a hairdresser. And, well, I wish I didn't we don't have as much that. hair to take care of, but I do. Um, but I was telling her she has a new child, and she was like, tell me about working at Harding. What's it like? Your kids go there. You've talked how much you love little Harding. And I said, I think the biggest thing for me is that my two-year-old and my three-year-old, their teachers have a deep hope. Their teachers have told us, like, my three-year-old daughter's teacher, her deep hope is for them to learn that they can pray about anything at any time. And then they're going to be in kindergarten and they're going to hear that same language about that God is accessible, that God is for them, that God created all these things, that there are imperfections, but they still work within God's story. And that drives the intentionality that we do everything with in athletics, in art, in curriculum. Um, And also, like I told her, For me to get to sit in a room with people who I deeply trust and value in their content, but then also to have the commonality that we're all focused as much and more on the souls of our students and their their families and also just how they can live a good story now because of knowing who God is, that to me is, I mean, that's invaluable. And I, I think as a parent now too, I just, I can't imagine that not being a part of our 
academic environment. Yeah, I uh, thank you for being with us, Charlie. Um, it's uh, I think we need to kick off a cloning program. <laughs> There's a way we could clone teachers like Charlie and others who they get it. They get yeah. the whole picture. It's it's more than just content, which they're excellent at. Um, but it's that bigger picture. And I think TFT for me has been, uh, again, that common language that ties us all together, or, or the why behind it all together, which I'm very grateful for. So thank you for what you do every day. And we are blessed to have you and glad that you're at Harding Academy. All right. And now we're going to step aside for our faculty staff member spotlight of the week. All right, and welcome back. We're here with this week's Faculty Spotlight. I'm so excited that we have Mrs. Rachel Pope with us here, a lower school teacher. Rachel, why don't you tell us what you do here and how long you've been at Harding? Hey, guys. My name is Rachel Pope. As um, Trent just said, I teach third grade here at lower school at Harding Academy, and I have been here for three years. Three great years. We're so glad to have you here, Rachel. You've done a great job. You always do a great job with your kids. What do you love most about working at Harding? There are quite a few things that I love teaching here. Um, over the years, I have been blessed to work at a, a few different schools, um, but Harding is one of my favorite and nearest and dearest to my heart. Because of that, one of the top things is the culture that we have here and um, all the different beautiful children that we have and how family-oriented we are. All right. I love that. We love being a family for sure. All right. If you want to share with our listeners your deep hope Yes, so my deep hope is um, that my students will be able to encourage and empower themselves and others daily through Christ. Encourage and empower, as those are your two key words, is that right? Yes, they are. All right, how do you see that lived out in the classroom every day? Um, in many different ways. One way academically is how my students love to learn and um, teach one another and encourage each other through hard topics that we have in class. Oh, I love that. I love that. All right, last random question. Uh, you know I love to eat. So I want to know, what is your favorite local restaurant? That is a very hard question, and I have quite a few. But if I had to pick one, as my students know, Miss Pope loves pizza, and Memphis Pizza Cafe is near and dear to my heart. Oh, MPC. I love that place. Well, what is your favorite flavor of their pizza? I so My kids think it's weird here at school, but I like pepperoni, onions, and jalapenos. <laughs> That's a great combination. <laughs> Well, your personality is a lot like that. It's a great combination, too. We are so, so thankful that you're at Harding Academy. Appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. And we're back for our thrilling conclusion to today's episode. Although, if you're snowed in at home this week, you might just want to listen to this episode several times. What else are you going to do with yourself? Uh, but before we get going, Trent, why don't you tell us about some of the opportunities to visit this week? Well, this week we've got some home basketball games on Friday night. It's a big night against FACS, Ooh. First Assembly Christian Schools. All right. Uh, I think it's going to be a packed house on the 19th in Ellers Gymnasium. We want to invite all our lower school basketball players, although we've had a couple, we've had one lower school basketball mm -hmm. night for kindergarten through second, uh, second grade. grade last week. We have one coming up next week on the 26th for third through fifth grade. That's right. Come on out and support our Lady Lions and our Lions. Uh, they're really a lot of fun to watch. So we've got some, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, but for this week, I would say that's the best opportunity for everybody to get together in our community and support the Lions. That's right. If you haven't come out to see the basketball teams yet this school year, you really need to. It's a lot of fun, uh, great environment, and fun teams to watch for sure. They're doing great, so. That's right. All right, well, with that, we're gonna sign off for the day, but of course, as always, remember to like, share, and subscribe. You'll get notifications when we drop new episodes. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Have a great week.